0: So, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space in West Linux 102. My name is John Keely. Thank you again for joining me this morning. And this is the 7th of October. It's the 27th Sunday in ordinary time. I'm delighted to be joined in studio here and come and see studio here in Ad, my good and faithful friend, in studio Live, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane.
1: How are you? Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Grace,
0: Great to have you back again in the sad studio, Shane. And, of course, we want to welcome, especially those people who are listening to us, as usual, every Sunday morning and Sunday evening, who are housebound, lonely, maybe struggling with some health problems today, maybe uh, at some stage down the road, maybe expecting some tests. Please be aware that, as usual, you're going to be in the sacred space, prayer community where we always pray as best we can for those of us who for those of you who are joining us each each sunday and indeed for those who are joining us and, uh, on our blog wwwsacredspace 102blogspotcom of course this program is broadcast on west limit 102 each sunday morning at 10 a.m and again is repeated at 11 p.m sunday night um, our apologies from time to time for the non-broadcast of this programme on Sunday evenings. It's it certainly got nothing to do with us here. We broadcast, we record the, the programme here in and uh, Studio here in and Ada, uh, and pass it on to West Limit, one or two studios, and they are to broadcast at 10am of Sunday morning, 11pm Sunday night. But as, as I said before... If you can't receive the program uh, uh, through West Limit 102 Radio for some technical reason, you can also go onto our blog, which is www.saverspace102.blogspot.com. And thanks to Shane for setting us up on iTunes. You can go by, comments, uh, come, uh, by searching, comments searching see inspirations, and you can find us there on iTunes, where, again, um, all our, um, our current, especially our current ones for this year, I think, mm-hmm. our, our current programs are available. Again, we want to ask people to contact us with any any uh, suggestion, comment that you might have for the development of the program. Uh, you can do that by texting us on 87 6088 That's 87 Or you can contact us by email. And that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. So again thanks, again, thanks for joining us this morning. And of course, we want to especially thank all those people who pray for us. I know I get calls and text, meet people quite often who tell us that they keep us in our prayers. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate that. And believe you me, we need them.
2: <laughs>
0: now, we come to that part of the program where Shane um, brings us on a journey through time mm. where we remember saints who have gone before us mm. from different parts of the world, different professions and so on and so forth. And we commemorate uh, these on a weekly basis, and each week, of course, the, the church um, presents us with these uh, people to, who come before us, maybe for us to learn something about them, certainly to find out a little bit about them. Shane, where are you going to start your world tour this week?
1: Well now it's an interesting one So um, Saints of the Week this week So obviously we're into the month of October So first of all For those of us praying the Psalter We're on week three Um, Obviously for those keeping track of things The month of October is the month of the Rosary And of course Pope Francis has asked uh, For the Rosary to be prayed Particularly during the month of October And in particular as well The addition of the prayer to Saint Michael the Archangel um, Given the uh, current difficulties uh, globally uh, that the church is going through. Um, in addition, of course, um, it's also the month of the missions, uh, particularly here in Ireland. And Mission Sunday is coming up, I think it's around the 15th of... 15th, 14th to 15th of... Um, no, sorry, it's the 21st of October is Mission Sunday in Ireland as well. So in terms of the Saints of the Week, John, we're actually off to Thessalonica. Which is funny because I'm actually flying to Thessalonica in two weeks. Oh. <laughs> no, that's completely unplanned, John. Yeah. <laughs> I promise. You yeah, talk about,
0: talk about
1: junkets. I anyway. know. Anyway, anyway. So, the 8th of October is the feast of St. Nestor, Nestor of Thessalonica, a young man martyred in the persecutions of Diocletian. And there was a legend about him being involved in gladiatorial matches, fighting as a gladiator. Uh, as a way to prove something about his faith, but it's apparently something that was added on after the poor man died, and he he's, he died eighth fourth century Thessalonica, which is in Greece. Then on the ninth of October, we have the feast day of well, officially it's the feast day of Saint Denis Bishop um, and his companions, who were who are French saints, and of course Saint Denis. Uh, is one of the patron saints of of France and himself and his companions were martyred in 258 and buried in Montmartre. Um, And it is the the church, the Abbey Church of Saint-Denis was where the kings of France used to be buried. However, on the calendar, um, he's been slightly overtaken by Blessed John Henry Newman on the Irish calendar. And, of course, John Henry Newman is only a blessed. Uh, He isn't quite canonised just yet. course associated very much with conversion he was an Anglican that converted to Catholicism and very much associated at the time with the Oxford movement before converting Um, he founded the Tractarian movement in 1833 and he eventually um, converted in or he was ordained in Rome in 1846 he joined the Ortorians, or- yes, yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Mm-hmm. And he returned to England in 1847. Now, his Irish connection is that he was involved with the setup of what is now the University College Dublin, uh, which was going to be the Catholic University, at the time it was the Catholic University in Ireland, which wasn't quite a rip roaring success uh, due to various reasons, including not quite 100% support from the bishops at the time. So, uh, but he's he was uh, beatified by Benedict XVI in September 2010. And uh, we're waiting to see whether or not he is going to be canonized. Now, he's one of the great apologists, or a person who writes apologetics. Okay. Isaiah defends the fate and explains mm-hmm. it in a rational manner. Mm-hmm. Very much that's what he's associated with. Uh, he's a very influential writer in terms of theology and philosophy, and a noted poet, actually, as well. And he was made a cardinal in 1879 by Leo XIII. So that's John Henry Newman on the 9th of uh, October. Then on the 10th of October, we're moving slightly back overseas again. We're moving to North Africa via Verona in Italy. And we're celebrating the feast day of St. Daniel Camboni. Now, Daniel Camboni... Uh, wasn't it obviously he was from Verona and he was a missionary to modern Sudan uh where he went in eighteen fifty seven but he had to return home in eighteen fifty nine due to ill health uh, He taught and um and has the his 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 aim was save Africa true Africa um with the idea of treating Africans as adults in need of a hand, not children in need of guidance, as was common in European taught at the time. Uh, very much fundraiser. He founded the what are now known as the Camboni Sisters and the Camboni Fathers, or the Camboni Missionaries as they're called. And he also he founded that in Verona in 1867 and he opened a similar institutions in Egypt to acclimatise missionaries to Central Africa. And he very much was involved with the, uh, the First Vatican Council on the issue of a conversion of Africa. And he was what was called the Pro Vicar Apostolic of Central Africa in 1872 that basically means he was Bishop. And his diocese basically covered the modern day countries of uh, of Sudan and uh, partially uh, modern day Kenya as well. Uh, so that's Daniel Camboni, and very much the Camboni family continues today, ministering in hospitals, schools, and orphanages in forty one countries. They wouldn't be very familiar, I suppose, to Irish people, but they would be familiar to to our to Italians in that regard. Mm-hmm. I came across the Cambonis during my time uh, in Sudan, in particular. Um then on the 11th of October now this is an interesting one John we have the feast day of good saint good pope John the 23rd okay so John the 23rd now it's interesting his feast day is actually the day of the opening of the council as far as i remember Yes, so usually when a person dies, um, that is their feast day. In if they're made a saint, and mm-hmm. John died on the third of June in 1963. Now the poor man died of cancer, actually, in the end. Um, um, but his feast day was put for the eleventh of October because that was the date of the first Vatican Council, the first opening session of the Second Vatican Council yeah. mm-hmm. in 1962. Of course, as we know him, he was Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli. Uh, born very much of an Italian peasant family now this is a man that came from the ground up literally ooh, ooh. from farming stock father died when he was young he was ordained in 1904 and he kind of worked his way up he was very much associated with the diocese of Bergamo and uh, then he served in the medical corps during World War One, and during and after that then he was appointed the to the Society of the Propagation of the Faith in Rome he was a diplomatic representative for the Vatican in Bulgaria Turkey Greece And finally, he was papal nuncio in France before he was appointed patriarch, that is, Archbishop of Venice in 1953 and created a cardinal. And he was elected pope in 1958. Now, that's interesting. I didn't actually know that. He was only five years a bishop uh, before he was elected pontiff. But, of course, the main thing, of course, that John is associated, was the calling of the council. And uh, although he wrote quite a number of... um, other interest um, influential encyclicals in particular Mater and magistria uh, is one of them which he wrote in 1961 which advocated social reform and he also, you know, he was he was very well beloved. Many people still call him Good Pope John, mm, mm. and and just that f- smiling. If yeah. you like, he was the last of the kind of the imperial popes. That's right, uh, because Paul the Sixth, his successor, very much dismantled the papal court. Then on the twelfth of October, we have the feast day of an English saint, Saint Edwin of Northumbria, prince born pagan converted uh, as an adult by St. Paulianus of York he was the first Christian king of Northumbria, uh, father of two saints, granduncle of another one uh, Hilda of Whitby, very famous saint in the UK and he worked for the evangelization of his people. Now oddly enough he's listed as a martyr, uh, although I would question his listing as a martyr, but he died in battle with a pagan king. Now you'd hardly describe that as dying in Odium Fide, but anyway, so he died in 633 And his head is in St. Peter's Church in York, where the rest of his relics are at Whitby in the UK. Then, finally, on the 13th, which is next Saturday, uh, the 13th of October, of course, is the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima, uh, Our Lady of the Rosary. Um, Now... Hang on, oh, am I looking at something? Yeah, it's because, of course, it's associated with the 13th of October because it is the date of the final apparition that's right. in Fatima. That's right. uh, and, of course, it is the day the final apparition, of course, was the the miracle of the sun that's uh, right. occurred mm-hmm. on, on, on that date. So that's who we have in terms of saints for the week. Now, case I can't remember, John, if we did it last week, but as... As it is the beginning of the month, uh, we need to do uh, the Pope's Intentions. So the Pope's Intentions for October actually are evangelization, because uh, that consecrated religious men and women may bestir themselves and be present amongst the poor, the marginalised and those who have no voice, which I think is a wonderful, um, a wonderful uh, intention for this month. So that's what we have, John, in terms of bits and pieces for this week. Thanks, Shane. Now, I can't let you go.
0: What are you going after to Thessalonica for?
1: A oh, holiday.
3: <laughs>
1: Hello. No, I am going to, I'm going to Thessalonica. I am going to do a course there in iconography, and I'm also visiting Mount Athos. And I'll tell you all about it when I get back. Please, that was the whole idea. Thank you very much, Dave, for that. Okay, just to remind
0: listeners again about EWT and what might be on from time to time. Uh, next Thursday, as Shane mentioned to us, uh, Pope John the twenty third, uh, Saint Pope John twenty third, his feast day. There's a documentary on Pope John the twenty third, featuring historic interviews and footage from the Vatican. That us out next Thursday, nine o'clock EWTN. And then Shane reminded us again, Fatima, of course, the miracle of the sun. So we have the Rosing candlelight procession from the shrine of Our Lady of Fatima live on EWTN, uh, nine thirty. Uh, next Friday, that's uh, the 12th of October, for one and a half hours, and then Mass uh, commences at 10am on Saturday morning Mass in honour of Our Lady of Fatima and the message of Fatima uh, again, the miracle of the sun, that can be a special programme Saturday night, uh, the 13th of October, goes on for one hour So now just before we go for our first bit of music, as Shane mentioned there about missions and, uh, and, and so on and so forth I thought it might be a good idea this week to pray this prayer, the Newcastle West Prayer, actually, a prayer for vocations. Almighty God, you've called us through baptism to, be, to discipleship with your Son, Jesus Christ. And you've sent us to bring good news of salvation to all peoples. We pray that those whom God is calling from our community to serve him in priesthood and religious life may respond with generosity and faith and that they may receive support, encouragement and spiritual nourishment for the seed of their vocation in their families and in the wider parish community. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So now we go for our first bit of music and I thought I'd play this one this morning. I haven't played it for some time. This one is titled um, The Dear's Christ, St. Patrick's Breastplate. So let's hear this.
3: I arise
4: today through the strength of heaven,
5: light of sun,
4: radiance of moon, splendor of fire. Of wind, depth of the sea, stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's eye to look before me. God's wisdom to guide me, God's way to lie before me, God's she.
2: Sacred Space.
0: So, welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley. Still joining the studio here by by Shane. Now, for the last number of weeks, we played a number of the a, a, a number of the talks or broadcast a number of the talks that were made in the world meeting the families from the pastoral from the pastoral centre on the Thursday, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, one of them, the from the Archbishop of Manila, uh, Bishop, is it. Tagle, Tagle, Tagle. Mm-hmm. Um, he spoke to us uh, a few weeks ago on the Pope's ref- uh, on the Pope's reflection on the throwaway society. You now a number of people said that they enjoyed that, but I just want to play just two little less e- extracts from that, and then we might just offer a comment here. Just, just, just listen to the first one.
2: Since planned obsolescence and the throwaway culture has moved from consumer goods. To values and culture, we see and experience, we can empathize with people like Pope Francis who see the effects on how we deal with values and human beings and life.
0: And the second one I just want to play, and then uh, this one... Um Actually, I, I, I really entitle
2: this one usefulness. But let's just say this for a second. And so even human persons, human life, are measured according to their utility, to their usefulness. It's very pragmatic. It's very functional. If you are no longer useful to me, Then, I can throw you away. You are cluttering my space. If I see something or someone more profitable to me, then I throw you away and I accept this new, newly found, newly found value. Unfortunately, It is prevalent in our view of persons. I even say, sometimes, because of the influence of the throwaway culture, we don't even notice that we gauge or measure people according to their market value.
0: Just a thought or two that came to my mind there, and you you might want to offer your own, uh, this whole idea of Throwaway society in terms, our culture in terms of the, our morals and values gone and the way people are treated in the world. And, and you've been around a little bit now in your work over the last number of years, and I'm sure you would have come across really people who maybe are suffering through this idea of their usefulness or non-usefulness.
1: Mm. It's, it's very much a theme that uh, Pope Francis has expressed numerous times throughout his pontificate, and it's picking up on this idea that. Uh, of people, um, if they're not contributing economically to a society, that they're seen as being a burden to society, and it's it's a very it's a very worrying and alarming kind of um, development, mm. I suppose in some mm. respects. Particularly, you know, we're it's I've, I've, for for people, I suppose, that are that don't pay attention to history, it's very much echoing. Some of the language that we heard from the early 20th century, mm-hmm. um, from those that promoted social Darwinism, eugenics, and which contributed to the development in some parts and justifications which were used uh, in the 1930s in Nazi Germany for some of the programs in terms of euthanasia mm-hmm. for the disabled and and those that were handicapped. and. It's something I think we need to be very, very careful of because when you get to a stage where society looks at a person's contribution purely through their util- utility and their mm. contribution to the economy rather than to society, yeah. then you have a problem um, because you, you know, where do you where where does it stop? And for us in Ireland, this is something we need to be very, very conscious of because there is a push at the moment to legalize euthanasia. Yeah and you know it's it's like the abortion debate it'll be cu- couched very much in the personal stories but the question comes back to the fundamentals of people have a dignity by virtue of the fact that they are human beings yeah. mm-hmm. and by you know we are all created in you know from a christian perspective we say we are created in the image and likeness of god But, you know, if you want to take it out from the the religious point of view and argue it from a human right point of view, Mm -hmm. people have a right to life. Yeah. You know, and nobody, and no state should have the right to say when that should be taken away. No society should turn, and when a society turns around and questions that, then you have to... Start seriously asking questions about that society, and that was something which uh, uh, Cardinal Tagli brought up very much in 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 that in that address that he gave at the World Meeting of Families. And it's something we just we just do need to be very very conscious of. I think um, you know it's 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 a question. You know, I remember a couple of years ago there was a debate in Ireland, and the question was asked: Are we a society, or are we an economy? Yeah, yeah. Because all you heard was well, how much we were doing things for the economy. And it's kind of it's kind of getting to the stage like you know where people where people don't have homes, mm. where the health system is creaking, yeah. and you're kind of going, well, hang on a second now where where are we going as a people on this you know, and what what does it mean for us in terms of i suppose looking around and just seeing it, I suppose the contrast the biggest contrast I suppose is with elderly people mm. you know. And the where there's all, there's no longer, I suppose, the ability for us to be able to sometimes look after uh, families, elderly members of our families in their home. Mm-hmm. Due to the pressures of the world that we live in where couples are trying to pay their mortgage, try to pay the bills, look after the kids. And grandpa and mama are put off into the nursing home, which, of course, is very, um, it's unheard of in a lot of cultures. Yeah. Uh, it's you know in terms of the Middle East, it's unheard of. If you you know if in terms of uh, in say Eastern cultures like in Japan, for example, Central Asia, um, African cultures, it's absolutely anatema. Mm, yeah, you know yeah. the respect is given to the elderly, um, but it's not just the elderly. It, it's it's those that are seen as not contributing to, functionally to society, and th- when you get to that stage. You, or when that type of language is being used, you know we have to be able to stand up for it exactly and you know mm-hmm. I, I i read a very good book in the last couple of weeks about augustus clemens von vanvegalen he was the the bishop of Munster in germany during before the second world war and he wrote in defense very much uh, mm-hmm. of, of these types of things and uh, you know it it it's something that echoes down through the years. Um you know in particular we've 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 had these discussions you know and and one of the things about the Christian faith when it came out of the catacombs was the fact that it put forward this idea that people had a value because and of themselves um which was very countercultural at the time, and that 's something we have to kind of pick up again.
0: Thanks for that. Uh, just before we move on to the next part I, I, I just also want to comment really on, on the first part of the, on the first clip there where, where, where he mentioned about morals and values and the comment that I'd want to make on that is many of us have noticed in our own lifetime the way morals and, and, and values uh, really have been discarded and, uh, and they, they end up being out of fashion and so on and mm-hmm. so forth uh, again just thrown away and, and, and if we don't really stand up for what we believe in and I stress that for what we believe in then uh, really what, what are we going to really pass on mm. to future generations we we really hold the key now we can either let this throw away culture decide what's fashionable today tomorrow and throw away the rest or we can hold on to something that's precious that, that's precious to us and as you mentioned there Shane about our faith that's one thing that really helps us with that because as as a faith community we can stand together support each other and not let society as such just run all over us. That's one thing that I wanted to play this week. But the other thing, the clip that I want to play now, is something that I haven't played yet. This presentation was made, I think, it's on the Thursday of the uh, of the Congress uh, by Bosco and Dr. Lynette McShane. Uh, they actually speak to uh, to the youth, give youth retreats. They spoke on the workshop, "The Dignity and Beauty of Sexual Love." Finding new language for ancient truths. I'd like you to hear this and then we just might uh, just offer a few comments after that.
4: Good morning, everyone. My name is Bosco McShane and this is my wife, Lynette. We are very blessed to have six beautiful children who are all here today at the World Maintenance Families with us. So uh, we're very, very blessed. We're the founders of Shilta uh, Retreat Team. It's a Catholic retreat team which delivers school retreats through the length and breadth of Ireland. And we also deliver retreats on the beautiful island of Loch Derg as well. And really today's topic is about finding new language for ancient truth. When we're talking to young boys and girls throughout the island of Ireland, sometimes we have to break it down uh, what ancient truth actually is, the teaching of the church. So Lynette here is gonna present uh, a little PowerPoint presentation uh, and she'll explain to you what way we're gonna work it.
3: Okay, good morning everyone. Um, When we were asked to contribute this morning, um, the first place we took it to was adoration. And we said, Christ, if you want us to break a moral down into very simple language, to discover a new language for the truth of sexual love, then what have you got? And so I present exactly what came. Um, Our title today is called Catching the Right Bus. In scripture, we read, I have the right to do anything you say. But not everything is beneficial. If you guys were standing at a bus shelter today, would you get on the first bus that came along despite knowing that it was going to take you in the wrong direction? Of course not. You would wait for the right bus. It might take a while, but the wait is worth it. It's the exact same with sexual love. Waiting for your soulmate... Is worth it. Just in the bus scenario, if you get on the first one that comes, you end up at a totally different destination and in the wrong place. You miss the destination of love. All the other buses that come your way, yes, you have the right to jump on, but it's not beneficial when you end up in the wrong destination. And if you look at the image, this is a luxury bus. God's plans are for the best, the best form of transport in the most luxurious ways. All the other buses give a quick fix. They are a distraction. Just like all the other men or women that come into your life before you meet the one. They will give you something. They will give you sex, but not sexual love not the love that God has planned for you. They will make you feel good just for the mere fact that they're there and you don't have to get impatient waiting for the right bus. But the waiting is good and we must never forget the destination. In the waiting for the bus, we can think through about the destination that we wish to arrive. When the right bus comes along, there's no drama There's no need to watch the road. There's no worry about where to get off. There's no need to worry about your safety. Peace comes the moment that you get on the right bus. And that peace comes from God, the driver. You will feel safe on the right bus. There'll be no need to overthink where you're going. As you know that you're on the right journey to the destination of love that God has planned. Sexual love is as simple as choosing the right bus. You don't need to be the driver, God is in control. He knows the twists and the turns, He knows the detours, He knows there'll be breakdowns along the way. It's important, though, to remind yourself that God knows the destination. And his plans for us in sexual love are way beyond what we can imagine. And who else would we want to really be the driver other than God himself? God is love. He loves you. He has plans for you. He knows you're longing to be loved. And all we need to do is to give him the wheel. The young people that we meet they don't know where the bus station is so they never have met God the driver they know only how to drive themselves to take control of the wheel to go where they want to go as opposed to where they need to go they get distracted and they see the fast track they only know to refuel at the service station quick and easy The world promises the refueling, quick and easy. Just like it offers sex, quick and easy, but it quickly runs dry. Ever notice when you get on a bus, you don't have to worry about the fuel. That's not your problem. God has that already sorted. He knows the route, he's pre-planned it. All we have to do is to be patient And wait on the right bus. Our young people have never heard the word wait. Everything is right now. Everything is immediate. We need to bring the concept of waiting back into our language. Our young people don't know the driver. They don't know God. We have to present God to them. To share the love that God has given us. To share the fruits of that love with everyone that we meet they don't see him as the one who created them therefore cannot grasp how God has created sexuality as a marvelous gift for all of us they've never bothered with the bus because the world has offered them self-control the ability to drive where they want to go the majority are going in the wrong direction The world is full of distractions and they're going everywhere except on the path towards God. No one has ever told them about the bus station, the church. No one has ever told them about how it operates, the teaching, or explained to them God's vision for love, marriage and commitment. Most of them don't feel loved, so they put all of their efforts into selfies and seeking likes rather than a deep and personal love with Christ. They don't see themselves as God's gift or the fruit of their parents' love. They cannot see how that love is a gift from God and must be passed on. They only hear and know of sexual rights And know nothing about the sexual wrongs, about the sinning against their own bodies. They know not the Holy Spirit and so struggle to find the courage to hold back and to wait. How can they honor God with their bodies when they don't know him? They have only ever heard about what is wrong with the bus station, the church. Therefore think that the bus driver, God, doesn't really exist doesn't really care, doesn't really love them and has no plans for them. It's time for us, every single one of us here today, to start telling them about the bus station, to tell them about the church, to tell them about the presence of Christ and how he can move mountains in their life. It's time to challenge them to wait on the right bus, to wait for their soulmate, that God has already planned that person who will make life full and fruitful every day. It's time for us to tell them the good news. The good news that God loves them, that God has shown his love to each one of us here, and that God's love is for every single one of them. We have given them the bus pass, we have given them the sacraments, but they don't know what they're for. When we leave this conference this week, it's our job, each and every one of us, to tell the young people about what God has done in our lives, to share God's love and to bring hope to the future around the world. Thank you.
0: So again, that was um, Dr Lynette McShane, who spoke um, at the World Meeting of Families, um, the pastoral conference on a Thursday there uh, of that particular week, and she spoke on finding new language for ancient truths. And the title of her presentation was Catching the Right Bus. To me, anyway, it was something that all parents need to know, or young people need to know, but parents and grand need to hear. They don't hear too much of it these days. They hear a lot of other stuff, promoting other ideas and values and so on and so forth, but not so much this. But uh, just before I offer sharing that, just a few minutes, to just to make a little comfort, a, a little contribution, um, I just remind people again, the last few sentences there, that uh, Dr Lynette um, mentioned, and she said when we leave this conference this week it's our job in each and every one of us to tell our young people about what God has done in our lives that's us, their parents and uh, grandparents to share God's love and to bring hope to the future of the world from our experience and I think we've always mentioned that here on the program there's nothing better than to give somebody's own testimony and somebody's own experience if we pass that on to young people in the way young people can understand it. And I think maybe people, this morning after listening to that presentation, would have maybe sat up and listened to that particular uh, presentation that was made, but the whole idea of waiting for the right bus, waiting for the right person, taking our time. The one thing that I'd say that, uh, that, that caught me right at the beginning there, when the, when Dr. Lin, Dr Lynette was asked to make the presentation, the first thing she'd done was to go to adoration. And I think maybe that's something we can do more often than what we do. Go to adoration or t- just take time asking the Lord, Lord, how would you like me to be able to pass this message on to maybe my grandchildren or my children or to young people who I know? Shane, your own sort of thoughts on that now?
1: Um, uh, I thought it was very... um thought it was a good one, actually. Uh, I liked the analogy, the bus station one, or the, catching the right bus. Mm. Um... Definitely, the st- one that gives food for thought, and it was also very timely playing it this morning. Jumps. I don't know if people realize uh, that on Wednesday, the excuse me, the Holy Father convoked the Synod of Bishops in Rome, mm. and this is the third gathering of the Synod of Bishops under Francis, and it's the fifteenth one overall since uh, the Synod was established by jo- by Paul VI after the Second Vatican Council. And the theme on this week's one, or this year's synod, I should say, is youth, faith, and vocational discernment. Um, obviously, of course, given the gathering that the, church, the bishops are gathering in Rome at a moment in which the church—I suppose—I saw one commentator describing it as facing perhaps its gravest crisis since the Protestant Reformation uh, in terms of the form of the worldwide clerical sex abuse scandals. Um, you know, it's it there's there's great. Expectation, I suppose, in mm-hmm. relation to it, but in terms of the topic of the synod itself, which is basically communicating with young people, um, you know, it's 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 often it's something you hear all the time. Where are the young people? Where are the youngsters? Where how do we how do we how do we talk with them? Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that we do need to um, to look at in terms of being able to um, communicate. A message, but mm. to be a, before you can communicate the message, you have to understand it yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's it's also kind of understanding it and being able to because if you can understand something yourself, then it's very easy to con- to explain it to others. Um, and that that's the challenge for us, because people say, "Well, I I don't know what to say." Well, you know why. In one mm-hmm. sense, you know, mm-hmm. it's a case of there. It's, it's sometimes maybe it's a case of maybe we need to do a small bit of kind of rooting around ourselves to kind of understand what, what, what's involved. But yeah, I, it's, um, it's an interesting one. I would say, people, if you to listen back to that one again, it, it, it's quite good. And there's lots more of those. So I'm Well Meeting the Families um,
0: 2018 on the internet. In the meantime, I go for our second piece of music uh, this morning. This one I picked is Lilies of the Field by John, Mil- John Michael Talbot. So let's hear this.
4: I <laughs> tell
2: sacred space
0: so welcome back again to the third part of sacred space my name is john keely still joined in studio here by shane so this part of the program is where we read and reflect on the word of god and to start that, that off uh, shane prays for us to pray before reading and reflecting on scripture thanks shane
1: lord we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word which you inspired in your prophets may we approach this word reverently attentively and humbly. may we not despise this word but receive all it has to say to us We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your Spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So the Gospel
0: for today, the 27th Sunday Ordinary Time, is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 2 to 16. Some Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it against the law for a man to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He answered them, What did Moses commend you? Moses allowed us, they said, to draw up a writ of dismissal and so to divorce. Then Jesus said to them, It was because you were so unteachable that he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made male and female. This is why a man must leave father and mother, and the two become one body. They are no longer two, therefore, but one body. So then, what God has united, man must not divide. Back in the house, the disciples questioned him about this, and he said to them, The man who divorces his wife and marries another is guilty of adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, She is guilty of adultery too. People were bringing little children to him, for him to touch them. The disciples turned them away. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. I tell you solemnly, anyone who does not welcome the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. Then he put his arms around them. Laid his hands on them and gave them his blessing. So that's the gospel
1: for this week. Shane, any few thoughts, please? Uh, it's um, it's an, it's it's a continuation. I suppose we're 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 entering into the the last few weeks of Mark. Um, now, for those that are attending Lectio on Monday night, uh, it's Monday night every week. The parish pastoral centre in Newcastle West mm-hmm. with Father Frank tuhig Uh, crowd has gotten a small bit small so we always invite new people to attend Mm -hmm. but it was interesting just to go through this this gospel I suppose it was um, the Pharisees approaching Jesus and trying to trip him up now one of the things that caught my eye in that first line was they were saying to him is it against the law for a man to divorce his wife? Nothing about the wife divorcing the man Mm -hmm. and it was interesting that Jesus instead of dealing with divorce actually speaks about marriage uh, which was the kind of the point that Father Frank reflected on on Monday night at Lexio, and he was making you know saying that it's t- looking to the positive but also trying to emphasise where is uh, God in the lives that we leave and uh, leave, leave, live even live. Okay. you know and it's you know from the beginning of creation God made them male and female and they're no longer two but one and what God, must, what God has united man must not divide and it's it's looking at it more in a positive sense of rather than talking about what divorces and the mm-hmm. cause of divorces, looking well, mm-hmm. what should marriage be about? Okay, you know, um, you know, but you know, it, and it's it was an interesting twist on it. The other side of it, of course, is that bit that Jesus says it's because you were so unteachable that he wrote this commandment for you, as in Moses wrote the commandment. And it's that word unteachable. I think that we need to look at this Sunday in terms of lexio and listening to the gospel and saying, right, well, you know, it's all well and good. And Saying looking out there and saying, "Well, people are not listening to the teaching on abortion or euthanasia or whatever, whatever, whatever." Mm-hmm. But actually, you should always look back and say, "Well, well, what am I not listening to?" Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Jesus was holding up the ideal, mm-hmm. and in the you know we were talking about morals and values in the second part of the program, and sometimes it's 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 we live in a world where the, well the church was too dogmatic. They were expecting perfection. And the response to that is, well, that's because God wants us to try and be perfect, to be as good as we can be. But the other side of that is, if we fall and fail, God is merciful and it's that balance that we have to remember um, I suppose when we're reflecting on it and something which you know, Pope Francis has spoken about again and again is the mercy of God but at the same time we don't dilute the target that we're aiming for mm-hmm. the ideal that we're hoping to get uh, we're not afraid to be able to say well actually you know what this is what we would like the world to be mm-hmm. we have to live in the world, the world is not perfect but this is what it should be Um the second part of that gospel course is that reflection about the children and you know it's it's an interesting one um on, we've had it it during the week days in, in 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 mass it was also part of the gospel from Matthew um but this is Mark's account of it and about bringing the children to Jesus and the and the blessing that he gave on them and it's a reminder to us i suppose all that children see the world in such a simple way You know, it's us adults that become cynical and twisted and tired and, you know, whereas children see it in such an innocent light, like some of the best theologians I know are under the age of seven, Mm. you know, Mm. because they have a simplicity to cut through to the basic questions about, Mm. well, God is in his heaven and blue is great. You know, the colour blue is great. Uh, But it's also that reminder to us that anyone who does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And I suppose it's that reminder to us that we need to be childlike as opposed to childish in terms of how we see and interact and view the world. And that can be a challenge. Um, You know, sometimes life can be serious. Life can be sad. And it can be quite difficult for us to find that childishness in it, um, you know, and to to, to be childlike and to remember, you know, the fun part of it because children see the fun in life. Um, And that's just something for us to think about on this uh, Sunday morning. Shane, thank you so much for that. I've just got one little reflection just
0: to make myself and that. I suppose after 46 years of marriage between myself and Anne, we were married in the Catholic Church. We were young, we didn't know all the answers uh, in those days and probably still don't, know them, but still don't know them really. But the one thing that I, that I caught me there, there this week, and I think you touched it there, I was not that lecture this week, but um, we believe that the grace we received from God in the sacrament of marriage really guided us in our marriage. But also today, we also pray for those who were struggling and have struggled in their own marriages, that the Lord will sell them, send them help, and that might be us, to help them to find the peace that they really need in their own lives. That about brings us to the end of the programme. Thanks a lot, Shane, for, for joining us this morning. Thanks, John. We'll go out with a piece of music. I don't know, I like this one. For some reason it came to my mind. It's entitled This Little Light of Mine. So let's go out with this one this week. And we'll Very appropriate
1: as Next- it's the feast of John Henry Newman this week. This Little Light of Mine. Let's go for it. Bye-bye now.
2: sacred space.